Hi guys, it's Alex here and providing a short interrupt from this week's podcast to tell you about SASDOC 2022. You might have heard from most of our guests that they are coming to Dublin on the 17th to the 19th of October to speak at SASDOC 2022. You may not know that Christoph Jans, managing partner of Point9 Capital, calls it the best SaaS conference for founders, execs, and investors in Europe, period. Just today, I was on LinkedIn, and SaaS founder Will Reed, who is the CEO of Sideway6, called it the best SaaS event out there. Thanks, Will. We think he's right. So let's dig in. SaaS.2022 is the conference for you if you're a SaaS founder, or exec growing a SaaS company to 10 million ARR plus, anywhere from zero to 10 million ARR. And you want to learn how to do it, how to get there, how to surpass that figure. You want to learn how to overcome the odds, how to boost your velocity. You'll come away equipped from the conference with the tools to do this, the tools to accelerate your revenue, your team and runway. You will learn from the best founders in the SaaS industry with amazing speakers like Des Trainer, co-founder of Inscom, Zeb Evans, co-founder at ClickUp, Hanno Renner, co-founder at Personio, and Alina and Nicholas Vandenberg, who are the co-founders of Chili Piper. There's 150 speakers across four stages, including a stage dedicated to bootstrappers. If you're not bootstrapping, there's 400 VCs coming to Dublin to meet with founders from pre-seed through to growth stage. In 2019, there was around 10,000 meetings that we recorded through our app. So if you want to meet VCs, this is the place to be this year. The networking is also second to none. We, it includes workshops, pub crawls, dinners, parties, and much more. Mads Wedekorp, CEO of Dream Influencers, attended in 2019, and he said SASDOC is very likely the most awesome SaaS conference in the world. The secret to getting maximum value is all of the after-hour events. It's during the dinners and the after-parties that the real connections are made. Thanks for that, Mads. If you're a SaaS founder or part of the exec team of a SaaS company, you want to meet your peers, you want to grow your business past 10 million ARR, you want to meet investors to fund your SaaS company, you want a few days to inspire you, then you need to be at SaaS.2022 at the RDS 17th to the 19th of October in Dublin, Ireland. Come and join the fun. Get your ticket now at sasdoc.com forward slash sasdoc slash 2022. Use code SASREVOLUTION, all lowercase in one word, for a 30% discount. That's code SASREVOLUTION for a 30% discount. Now on with the show. It's not set and forget. It's, it's a bit about understanding what is implied to go from here to there. And, you know, the team can keep track of that and see if they are getting where they are wanting to get. And that even goes through the setup, initial setup cost. Like, for instance, sales, right? So you need to start hiring because if you don't hire, you cannot sell. And you need to have uh, sales operations and sales enabling. So all of that is setup cost, right? So I want to know, I am aware that we will be investing. During some times, we cannot be efficient in that sense, in a strict sense. But there's a number of things that need to happen. I want to know how long they, they, they take and how do we know that we are getting well underway in that sense so that we can see that we are well aligned with the longer term or midterm. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, 
and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Okay, welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. I'm your host, Alex Thumer. Delighted to be joined today by the CEO of Typeform, Kim Letcher. Welcome, Kim. <laughs> Hi, Alex. So happy to be here. Yeah, great to have you uh, on the podcast, uh, uh, Kim. I think uh, for the for the first time, we, we've, we've had you on a, a few virtual SaaS Talk events and at a SaaS Talk local event in Barcelona. First time on the podcast. And then soon, very soon, I can't wait, uh, at SaaS Talk 2022 in Dublin, uh, this October, uh, which I'm delighted that you're speaking at and flying over from the US now because that's where you're, you're based. You've moved from uh, Barcelona to uh, to the West Coast, right? Uh, right, right. Uh, only two weeks and a half ago. So this is a very recent move. But uh, in any case, I wouldn't miss Sastok uh, for anything. So very happy to be there. Good, good, to, good to hear. How has the, has the move been like stress-free or has it been like you know these things are always stressful right but uh, uh, how has it been i'm very happy uh, about it uh, it's been intense um, but i can say that after a couple of weeks uh, we are all settled in and i'm very fortunate you know because uh, my wife my daughter have been uh, helping a lot and we have uh, you know we we need to adjust still but um, but yeah, here we are, and we are already fully operative uh, from here. Great stuff! A, a new uh, chapter and journey of, uh, of of your life. So it must be uh, very exciting. So so Kim, uh, tell the audience uh, who is uh, Kim Letcher. Kim Letcher, uh, professionally speaking, um, I think Kim is a builder. Um, I I love building businesses, building companies. I think companies uh, have a very important role in society. It can be a, they can be a force for good. And, and I love building companies uh, in a very healthy way, companies that will uh, be successful uh, for their customers and, and their employees and partners and shareholders and, and our communities in general. So that that's one element. The second element maybe is uh, I'm an eternal learner. No? So I'm always trying to learn new things, trying to expose myself to something new, um, trying to be a little bit always outside my comfort zone. Um, and I think this is kind of a infinite journey, but just trying to be better uh, always um, one step at a time. Love that. Um, yeah, I, I, similarly, I, I love the eternal learning thing. And, you, you know, I certainly try to be. Um, <clears throat> I didn't until I, I would say much more kind of recently in the, certainly the last, you, you know, five to ten, ten to five years, but probably more five years or so. Um, if any regret, like I, I thought about uh, this question, which actually no, nobody asked me, but uh, I thought it might come up as a podcast question uh, at one time. But if I had to speak to my 20 year old self, it would be, you, you know, to kind of read more, certainly like during and learn more during my 20s, instead of like, I was more a, a party guy, uh, right, uh, during, during that time. Um, and it was only in my 30s that I really kind of started learning and, you know, really applying myself to learning and reading. And that really coincided with starting, you know, my own business. And then, you know, from there, I've really had that passion to learn and read and, you know, kind of all, all the time. So, uh, yeah, just kind of wanted to 
share that uh, uh, with you. But uh, great to see that you share that same spirit. Uh, and you're, you're you're the CEO of Typeform, which is a great uh, SaaS company born out of Barcelona. We 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 love the products, use it our, ourselves here. But can you tell the audience what is the story behind Typeform? What does it do? You know, and how did you become the CEO? Typeform was founded by two amazing founders, two amazing humans, uh, David and Robert. Um, they are uh, designers. And so our DNA as a company is a design, uh, kind of very strong design uh, background. No? And it, it uh, started as a, you know, in the world of data collection and, and, and forms and online forms and surveys and quizzes it became the, the 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 nice, the beautiful, the easy to build, uh, beautiful form, right? And 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 people, many many different professionals uh, started using it because uh, they they loved it. It it was easy to build and it was providing a great experience for the respondent, who in the end is is the people who actually devote their time um, and. So this this was Typeform uh, 1.0. What we realized is that um, online interactions are are happening everywhere for all sorts of reasons: for e-commerce, e-learning, uh, e-entertainment. Um, uh, so many and increasingly more and more companies are, are are willing to interact with their customers, their users, their uh, employees. Uh, with their audiences in general uh, online. And so uh, Typeform is, is becoming that very best way of interacting online. So I, I met uh, David and Robert in, I believe it was October 2017. I was coming back from uh, Stanford Executive Program where I met somebody that knew them and introduced me to them. And we immediately hit it off right so i was working at a company back then that was uh, literally 10 minutes walking distance from the offices of typeform and so i could go there once every 15 days have a coffee have a lunch together talk about um, the company their vision what they what their dreams were how how would uh, they think about going about them and and i just liked it a lot and at some point during 2018, I thought that my, um, let's say, career uh, progression in my current employer at the time was um, getting to an end. Uh, I couldn't see ways, effective ways of contributing to the company and keep learning, keep progressing in my career. And so I talked to them in one of those conversations and I said, look, this is, uh, I'm, I'm going to start looking at things, at uh, new options. And then they said, why don't you join us? And and yes, I, I decided to join them because one, I love their vision. Uh, I knew it by then and I loved it. Two, uh, I love them. Uh, I, I, I could really see myself working alongside them. And three, uh, because I knew the company a little bit, I could see that there were things that the company needed that I could contribute to, that I could uh, really help the company that I could be effective uh, in that company. And so I, 
I, I saw I saw an opportunity and and I started uh, you know working uh, full time in at the end of August 2018 um, at Typeform. Very cool. Uh, thanks for sharing that. What data can you share about the company? So how big is the company? Um, you know revenue. How much have you raised, etc. Yes. So. Um, Right now, we have a, a bit more than 135,000 paying customers. Um, customer for me is, is always the first. This is a, a key, uh, let's say, mark of, of success. You know, the, the more we can have uh, and the happier they are, the, the, the more successful we, we are. Um, these customers are uh, interacting with their audiences. Um, around 50 to 60 million uh, times, uh, let's say, per month. So we, we have uh, around 55 to 60 million uh, fully submitted, fully closed interactions per month. And and we, we by our accounts, we, we are enabling these customers to reach around 2, 2.3% of the global population um, on a yearly basis. So. These are numbers that uh, are very important to me because um, in the future I would love to uh, be able to help more than a million uh, companies and, and facilitating billions of interactions and hopefully uh, enabling these interactions with um, 15 or 20 percent of the global population. Um, currently we are almost at uh, 80 million dollars of ARR and we are around 450 Typeformers um, across the world. I mean, uh, we, we are very much distributed. You um, obviously, the, the, well, uh, the head office or the main office used to be in like Barcelona, um, and it is. Uh, and I know that there was a, a U.S. office kind of opened, and certainly like pre-COVID, uh, David Apple, who's kind of like leading that. Um, you know, for, uh, friends with him. So now is you know, like post-COVID world, is it very kind of distributed? Are people going back into the office? Does that lovely office with all the big plants and stuff kind of still exist? <laughs> so we became remote first. Um, uh, we, we decided that very, very consciously um, to, to give people the flexibility to live where they wanted. Um, at the same time, we also were uh, able to then uh, hire people where talent was based, right? And we didn't necessarily need to ask people to come and work uh, for Typeform in Barcelona. <clears throat> so now we have a growing team in the US. Um, there's a lot of people uh, in the Bay Area, generally in California, but also, uh, let's say, also in the Seattle area, so West Coast, and, and some people in Midwest and, and in the East Coast. And there's a significantly growing team in the UK. Uh, we have like 75 employees in the UK right now, uh, a growing team in Germany. And, and still, of course, because of the uh, history of, uh, of Typeform, uh, there's a very large team in, in Barcelona and in Spain, generally speaking. Um, but we are remote first. And so we, we meet. Uh, we meet face to face uh, in person offsites, team offsites, and, and so on. Um, but there is no obligation to go to an office on a daily basis. And 
and I think it was in March uh, or roundabouts then, um, and certainly before, like you know, the, the, the current sort of macroeconomic environment went, you know, uh, had a big downturn, shall we say? Uh, Typeform raised 135 million uh, in a Series C round. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, like from that, uh, and then that took you, I think, to unicorn status. So it's like some people like it, some you, but it, it, it's it's an achievement. Uh, 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 in itself. What lessons can you share from the fundraising experience? Maybe one or two lessons you know, from that. If that was uh, an advice based on our experience, I would say we, we prepared very well. So we, we were ready. Uh, we devoted time to uh, make sure that um, our narrative was clear. Um, we we devoted a lot of time to you know uh, kind of understand truly our strengths uh, in from the perspective of, of the investors as well you know what what do they care for and what will they like uh, from our strengths and also what are our weaknesses you know uh, our our company our business is is still in the making it's not perfect in every aspect. I don't think there is one that is perfect in every aspect. So, but we are in 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 that uh, process of improving always continuously. And we were also very transparent about that because we we felt comfortable. No? This is our strengths. This these are our weaknesses. We know them. We acknowledge them. Uh, we we know how to go about them. We have plans to improve, to mitigate, and at the same time to keep growing on on our on our strengths, right? Uh, based on our strengths. So. I think that that uh, clarity and, and, and that transparency, uh, understanding who you are, you then can also attract the right kind of partner. Um, and I consider my shareholders partners in the business, right? So we are, for instance, very much thinking long term. So our partners uh, have to be those that also agree uh, with thinking long term. Um, Otherwise, we, we could create inconsistencies uh, in the future. So I would say be honest, be ready. Uh, yeah, and maybe also be ready because it's going to be intense. You don't want to make it very long. You, you want to make it as short as possible, uh, but intense. And, and there will be things that even if you have prepared a lot, uh, they will be new, new requests, uh, maybe a question that you hadn't thought about uh, from that perspective. And in that sense, you, you have to devote time. You know? So it, it truly is something that uh, you have to be 120% uh, on it when it happens. Great advice there. Thanks for sharing that. And, and, and not long after you raised the, the Series C, like I mentioned, the global markets uh, took a bit of a downturn. You know, public company stock prices tanked, SaaS valuations, you, you know, really fell. <clears throat> and the VC's mantra, you know, of growth at all costs, which had really been kind of pushed for, for, for many years, uh, is seemingly like no more. And VCs are talking about maximum, you know, efficiency and uh, looking to have their portfolio companies run a bit more like bootstrap companies. Um, now, uh, in, in our kind of preparation call, we, uh, you know, I've learned that this is not really kind of new for Typeform, even though you're VC-backed. 
actually running the businesses, you know, uh, with maximum efficiency and operational efficiency is always sort of been the case. Um, so why why is that? Why like why have you not had like the VCs saying growth at all costs and spend mo no more money and we don't care about profitability? Uh, and why have you been a little bit maybe contrarian and had also the understanding from VC partners to run a business like that? So um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yes, uh, I think. Uh, well, first of all, I, I would say this is a uh, t timely uh, conversation given the circumstances in the market. Uh, and I would add to that that is not only timely, but also timeless, right? So, um, and this this is founded or grounded on my own conviction. Um, maybe going back to who I am, I, I said a builder of businesses that succeed, that grow healthily, right? And I believe in that growing healthily. I believe in building businesses that are uh, here today and here forever. Um, I, I, I believe uh, in creating value, right? So, and, and, and that has many different, uh, let's say, venues, right? Creating value for the customers, creating value for our uh, employees. But when it comes to uh, shareholders, creating value for me is about uh, you know, get, getting more, uh, let's say, out of the same resources, uh, having a lot uh, of return on the investments we, we do, right? And so um, the idea of growing at any cost uh, uh, for me is, 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 is not correct. Uh, that's why I, I, I said maybe now it's timely as a conversation topic, but for me it's also timeless because we should always be growing in a very, let's say, diligent uh, way, responsible way, a uh, healthy way, um, in order to create value, to maximize that value uh, when it comes also uh, for the shareholders. So uh, I think it, it, it starts with oneself, right? You, you either believe in this or, or not. And then if you believe in that, uh, you will be encouraging the organization uh, uh, to behave in certain ways, to to operate, to manage uh, uh, in certain ways. And and you will also be having those conversations with, with the board. Did you ever have conversations with the board then or, you know, uh, the, the VCs that had, have invested uh, in type form and have debates about this operational efficiency sort of like preference um, and, and you know you know were there any conversations where the VCs were saying well no you know you, you really kind of need to go for this kind of growth at all costs and um, yeah would you recall anything like that so in terms of being operationally efficient uh, they they know about it and, and they appreciate it um, I have also maybe been fortunate uh, and I am fortunate uh, because of the board that I have, which was uh, mostly there um, by the time I start be being the CEO of the company. And, and also, I go back to that idea um, that I partner with my board and, and what I said about the Series C. So by, by being very honest about how you think about things, you, you will be attracting a, a certain type of investor um, that is, in our case, uh, long-term investor that is uh, also aligned with the ideas of uh, let's create value, let's generate value, uh, and so on. And then 
on top of that, uh, typically the conversations are, um, uh, and, and this is their, their job as well, right? So how can we do more? Uh, are we missing something? Um, can we deploy more capital faster, right? And, and these are the conversations that always encourage me and the leadership team and, and general type form to, to try to find if there's something we haven't considered, right? That we could do that is appropriate, that we are ready to, to engage. Uh, and of course, we have the capital to do it and we can do it uh, still effectively, efficiently, right? Um, because I would say in general, doing something for the sake of doing it, like not succeeding in it, not having a chance or not setting yourself up for success in doing that, uh, it's, it's just activity. It's just being busy for the sake of being busy. So in that sense, they always keep thinking and encouraging us to, to think about how we could do more. Um, and, and we have that conversation and we are very much aligned about uh, yes, and is it the right time? And are we gonna, um, you know, set ourselves for success? Uh, or how can we set ourselves for success? What, what are some of the examples of operational efficiency that uh, you uh, deploy through the business? There are, let's say a, a few, maybe a general framework for that would be, um, I think about it in terms of sales, go to market, sales, marketing, go to market, uh, product engineering, and also uh, general services, uh, let's say administration, you know, finance, uh, people operations and so on. Um, I believe, for instance, everything around sales and marketing or go to market tends to be easier, honestly. So. Obviously, we, we take a good look at things like sales efficiency, CAC to LTB, um, and in general, the concept of getting a return on the money invested, which in this area is, is easier. Um, uh, when it comes to product and engineering, for instance, well, what I'm always interested in knowing is um, how much are we going to invest? So how in doing something, a new functionality, even thinking about new product like video ask or um, what does it need to, in order to get there, how long will it take? How, ma how much effort in terms of people and time will, will it take to get us there? And what do we expect uh, out of that, right? And this links to a second big idea, which is the purpose of that action, being very purposeful about that action and, and the measure of success, right? So we have a definition of success and a measure to know whether that success is happening or not. And it's not for me, it's also for the team. It's for, you know, my question most of the times is, why do you do this? What do you want to achieve with that? And how do you know you have achieved it, right? Um, so that helps a lot in new functionalities, for instance. Because one would say, well, I'm going to devote like uh, two months or, you know, like four sprints or whatever to do this. I'll devote this squad and uh, we will get in place or, you know, be able to put in production this functionality. So what, what's the purpose of that? What do you want to achieve? What, what, what job will that do for our customer? Um, 
and then how do you know that that this is happening and it could be adoption it could be a number of things that uh, you want to know right so that that's another element and a third element maybe to think about it is there are setup costs and we have to be aware of it you know so being operationally efficient cannot be against oh but there is an initial investment cost that will take some time to recover so during some time you have to accept that this is part of that operational efficiency it's just that initial setup cost right um and with that in mind so for instance conversations around if we start a new channel this new channel or if we start marketing for a new product marketing for this new product will be not as efficient as let's say that the cost of it uh, per per customer for instance the cost of acquisition will not be as low as it is for the things that we already are you know very efficient very uh, operationally aware and, and, and knowledgeable and and that's fine that's that's the process of learning but i'm always trying to have also an idea of the leading versus the lagging indicator so the lagging indicator is where you are there and you are operationally efficient and and you can then know okay we got there but in order to get there there's a number of things that need to happen and and i want to know also about those things and how these things are progressing right so um it's not set and forget it's it's a bit about understanding what is implied to go from here to there and you know the team can keep track of that and see if they are getting where they are wanting to get and that even goes through the setup initial setup cost like for instance sales right so you need to start hiring because if you don't hire you cannot sell and you need to have uh, sales operations and sales enablement so all of that is setup cost right so i want to know i am aware that we will be investing during some times we cannot be efficient in that sense in a strict sense but there's a number of things that need to happen i want to know how long they 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 take and how do we know that we are getting well underway in that sense so that we can see that we are well aligned with the longer term or mid-term uh, result of it given like Typeform has been running in an operationally efficient way, you, you know, perhaps since day one, but you know, for a, a long time. And that if we look at when it's probably like April, May, you know, looming recession, market downturn, a lot of VCs were then going out to their portfolio companies with like advice and messaging and you know, decks, etc., like Sequoia did, and so on. Did your VCs, you know? come to you and say, okay, well, guys, this is what you need to kind of be thinking of, or, or, or did they also kind of give a message and say, well, look, hey, we know Typeform's been running really well, so you don't need to kind of go out and, you, you know, cut costs and slash headcount, et cetera. So what kind of what was, the, what was the communication from the VCs at the time, specifically maybe to, I guess, uh, all, all, all of their portfolio companies, of which one uh, Typeform was one, and then was there any specific messaging to Typeform to say, well, look, you know, guys, you, you're running really well and, you, you know, maybe this doesn't apply as much to, to, to you or you don't have to do as much as, you know, what we're saying? If you are not operationally efficient and you are growing at all costs or at any costs, um, what happens is that you receive these messages and, and then you have to really fire a lot of people. Right. So you, you, and we've heard uh, about this, especially also big companies that are uh, more 
more in the news, right? So if you are not operationally efficient, then you have to become uh, operationally efficient or, or at least try it in the short term. There's a number of things that if you don't have it embedded in your culture, uh, um, you, you will not get from one day to the next. So what happens is that you then start cutting costs uh, at all costs as well, right? So you grow at all costs, you start cutting costs at all costs. Um, if you are operationally efficient, the conversation is different. You can still have a conversation around, for instance, levels of certainty and time to return, right? So you might be running efficiently, but you are taking, let's say, a level of risk in your uncertainty, right? Ten initiatives, um, five of them have a level of certainty, you know, to a proper return of, I don't know, 75, 80%. And then there's uh, the other five that are at, uh, you know, 25 or 30%, right? Um, and also that is linked, correlates with uh, time for that, uh, let's say investment back. So uh, seven or eight initiatives uh, will return within the next 12 months and the other two or three or four, uh, let's say, uh, will return only after 18 months or 24 months. And that could be the conversation, right? It's uh, how many things are you doing where the confidence level, the certainty uh, of return and the time to return is uh, maybe longer the certainty lower than a certain threshold and then is this the right time to do this or should we pause it postpone it uh, and so on and that is also linked to your cash burn and your runway right so you can do more and be a little bit more risky in that uh, approach uh, if you have a very long runway um, if you have a shorter runway which fortunately is not our case um, then, then maybe you want to focus on where you are more certain and the return is faster. Moving into the, the, the sort of quick fire round, what is the one thing that's moved the needle the most for Typeform? I would say uh, Typeform is a product-led growth company and what really moved the needle for us was adding a few, I would say even relatively um, simple, which doesn't mean easy, but, but uh, meaning not complex, uh, performance marketing motions and initiatives, right? So the product was allowing us to grow and then we added um, some basic uh, performance marketing initiatives on top of that and it helped us even grow faster. What's the best advice that you've ever received? So I, I try to surround myself by the smartest people and people who have... Uh, a great deal of experience so they have seen around the corners that I'm still not even seeing at the end of the street um, so there, there might be a lot of things but thinking one um, clarity of thought maybe I would say that there is so much noise there are so many things that get to us or, or we we generate and a lot of times we are not fully fully aware of what do we really think about? How do we really feel? And why do we feel like that? And then without that clarity uh, of thought, we cannot communicate it. We, we, we cannot act adequately on it. 
What's the hardest thing about being a CEO? <laughs> um, uh, for me, um, I would say it is the the scope of the job is very very broad. Um, sometimes you have to move from a very very high level uh, to 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 know, uh, uh, let's say, and to be aware of uh, let's say sufficient details. Uh, you have to move from strategy and vision to tactical and execution. Sometimes you have to hold uh, thoughts that can be seemingly or arguably opposed. Like, for instance, maximize growth and do it efficiently, you know, and operate efficiently. Um, so in, in that sense, uh, I think you are never done and, and you have to it really keeps your mind busy, uh, at least for all of its bandwidth. Uh, and it's quite intense in that sense. So it's a, a lot of hours with your mind very, very busy on so many different topics. Some of them even kind of seemingly opposing uh, one to each other. What does your daily routine look like? So if it's really a very, very short question, is like work, work, work. And then... <laughs> A little bit of time for my family and a little bit of me time. Since I've moved here, I'm trying to kind of rethink about my schedule. So a little bit, the, the longer answer to that would be from 6.30 to 10.30, I, I, I work with people in Europe uh, because that's a good time frame for, for them and, and, and also for me. And then I take 30 minutes uh, of, of a break to have a little bit of breakfast coffee second coffee and and then from 10 30 uh, sorry 11 or 11 30 to maybe you know five uh, i work with uh, five six i work with the people here in the in the us um and then i, I can have you know uh, dinner with my family uh, my daughter comes back from school at six uh we can have dinner and if there's uh, more that i have to do then it can take a little bit of the evening. If not, then I have time for family. I still have to find the time for my sports uh, because this is very, very important for me. Um, I'll, I'll find it. If you're starting work at 6.30, what time do you get up? And then what time do you go to bed? And how many hours, well, sleep do you get a night? So 5.45 is when I wake up. Uh, and then I go to bed around 10.30 or 11. Um, yeah, so I, I have a little bit of downtime, uh, maybe the last 30 minutes. Um, but uh, yeah, I try to sleep around seven, maybe sometimes if I'm lucky, a little bit more, seven hours. Uh, yeah. yeah, seven hours is good. Uh, and um, so moving forward to, uh, well, just less than two months away now. So like we mentioned at the beginning, you're flying back over to Europe. You're coming to Dublin. Uh, you'll be speaking at SASDOC 2022 as it returns to the RDS from the 17th to the 19th of October. Um, what will you be speaking about? Uh, and also, what are you looking forward to? So uh, a little bit aligned to, to what we've been talking and because it's timely and I believe timeless. Uh, I want to talk about, you know, the, the, the key learnings, the, the, the key elements of, of uh, building a company and a culture that is, uh, you know, operationally efficient. Um, and, and I will you know, talk about about the 
those three elements with some examples and how we think about it and maybe trying to you know encourage people to think about that and, and, and see if they want to apply it for themselves not only to go through these times but also as a I believe it can be a competitive mode of, of a company um, well and, and I'm looking forward to you know be back in Europe connect with uh, uh, other CEOs founders uh, and and learn learn from from their perspectives opinions points of view and trying to help also uh, I, I believe that um, we have a great opportunity generally in Europe in the SaaS uh, businesses um, we we can catch up a lot to what I can see has happened already here the scale of the businesses that they have built here in the US so uh, a lot to do a lot to learn a lot of opportunity ahead so yeah looking forward to learn and to if possible be helpful to others great stuff I'm, I'm, I'm sure you will be and uh, yeah looking forward to seeing you again in uh, in Dublin and um, final two questions what is your favorite business book uh, and, and what are you currently reading I read a lot uh, for me maybe it's it's difficult to say one because I, I read from you know like it, it depends I, I vary topics you know sometimes it's leadership sometimes it's like a finance and investing sometimes it's even you know uh, SaaS and, and, and marketing and growth marketing so it depends what, what I I tend to read everything that I can read about uh, Warren Buffett Berkshire Hathaway uh, Charlie Munger so uh, all of that for me has been has been uh, an element of inspiration and um, so I, I would encourage people to actually read there's there's a lot uh, and and right now I'm reading uh, the Lincoln Highway. So this is not a business book, uh, but I also get a lot of inspiration about you know uh, stories and and biographies and and so trying to learn about uh, you know in in a fictional basis or, or not so uh, and you know about other times, other situations, uh, other people, right? And and so the Lincoln Highway is one. I have also, I am in the middle of a CEO excellence. Um, I want to see, you know, mindsets of how to improve being a CEO and what it means to be a CEO and, and, and enabling CEO for empowering CEO for a for type form. And also I started now, I, I just recently bought it, uh, HBR at 100 uh, because I believe there's, let's say, certain uh, eternal loss in in business and things can change and evolve uh, but there's you know like the law of gravity always applies and and there's some of that uh, knowledge that uh, kind of gets lost or diluted and it's I believe uh, good to go back to it to go back to those basics and, and things things uh, you know from that fundamental those fundamental frameworks Thanks for sharing that. I, I ordered uh, poor Charlie's almanac recently. It, <laughs> it arrived, uh, and I, I don't know what I did, but uh, I, I opened it up, and it was all in Korean. So uh, unfortunately, I, I can't speak Korean, and I, I must have either they sent the wrong book or I ordered the wrong thing. So uh, I, I have to send that back and uh, wait for it to come again. But um, I, I, I'm looking forward to that. I've heard, uh, I've heard good things. Um, I can say, uh, Alex, I can tell you one thing. I, I have a, a very big uh, bookshelf uh, back in Barcelona. I took one book 
to because I, I came we came here with two suitcases right so uh, we were not going to you know uh, come with everything and and I took only one book and that's poor Charlie Salmanac and I have two copies now one in Barcelona and one here in the Bay Area I can send you the Korean version if you if you want it uh, I don't think I'll be reading it uh, anytime but good to know good to know it's uh, uh, that highly regarded uh, Kim final question where can people find you online find Typeform online uh, so the Typeform definitely in our homepage uh, typeform.com uh, myself um, LinkedIn is the very best way uh, it's basically the kind of social professional network that I use. Um, that's the very best way. Yeah. Good stuff. And in person, if you want to meet Kim in person, I'm sure tap him on the shoulder at Sastock and uh, um, have a conversation with him about uh, poor Charlie's Almanac or this podcast or uh, uh, whatever. But uh, Kim Letcher, uh, CEO of Typeform, thank you so much for being on the SaaS Revolution show and sharing with the SaaS community. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, congrats on the move to the, the US and. Uh, you're being relatively stress-free in the new chapter in your life and uh, looking forward to seeing you in Dublin. Thank you for inviting me, Alex. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.